Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. You lack conviction. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part five, Shadow Warrior. Pete, today, Star Wars, tomorrow, Star Trek. Looking forward to talking Lower Decks episode 403. Just the one episode this week? What? We were so <laughs> we were so lucky to get the, the two-episode premiere last week, but uh, looking forward to digging into that multi-layered episode. Yes, and this, Matt, as we are just a little under 10 days away from the 10th anniversary. I can't believe it. Or fantastic geek, this little thing of ours. Looking forward to uh, officially sharing some plans in the near future, next couple of days, uh, for what we will do on the 24th. I'll drop this little hint. Looking forward to uh, to others joining and all that. Uh, and some goodies between now and then planned as well. Yes, we'll have some giveaways. We'll have some fun. And move into our next decade. But Matt, back to what we cover uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what with strikes stretching on, uh, new content coming to Hulu in color? Uh, please tell me more. I see the note here on our agenda, but I have, I have not heard this, which is weird because I am on multiple entertainment news websites multiple times every day, so maybe they're... Maybe their PR uh, machine has not gotten this message out enough, so pray tell more. Well, Matt, uh, hold your eyes as they roll. Uh, We were excited, and of course we covered last year the Marvel special um, Werewolf by Night, which stylistically, much in black and white, but you'll be excited to learn sarcasm. It's now been completely colorized and will go on Hulu. Uh, that's not that interesting. That's been the general reaction. Uh, if, this is, if this is what the studios are going to do fill, to fill holes, that along with, you know, the camp game show on CBS and reruns of two seasons of Abbott Elementary on ABC... There, there's a reason, Pete, why the studios are losing the PR battle, and I don't think Werewolf by Night in color uh, is going to change any minds anytime soon. But back to a galaxy far, far away, Matt, news you shared with me first. The Lando series at Disney Plus has now morphed into a movie, this per the brother of star Donald Glover, writer-producer Stephen. Which, okay, as a piece of entertainment, that's fine. I think I would prefer, I would prefer a Lando series more, but I'm imagining it is a great Lando series. If the story that they're able to tell, whether it's in terms of page count, in terms of inspiration, in terms of scheduling in general... Uh, if that's best as a movie, that's fine too. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go see that as well. Um, I will note it's it's weird that this news broke when it did. I doubt that 
Mr. Glover was speaking in his capacity as a writer, so I guess he was speaking in his capacity as a producer, or maybe this, as has been the case... It was on a podcast. Okay. I would I would call into question the appropriateness of sharing that information right now during the strike. I'm not saying it's outright inappropriate. Um, it is also... Can I also just say, Pete, without without having any pessimism towards star wars or kathleen kennedy or lucasfilm here's the good news pete we can add the lando movie to the list of movies currently uh kind of you know in in development for lucasfilm and as many people know that's a really 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 long list at various points of development whether it's the 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 broom boy trilogy or the benioff and weiss trilogy or the rogue squadron solo that now has gone away and maybe there's a solo sequel all of this stuff so again development is development and uh i guess time will tell well a couple things first to your point uh matt there's an alternate universe where uh josh trank's dogs did not wreck his rented apartment during the 2015 fantastic four where we got an awful boba fett movie so it could be worse that instead became the mandalorian everybody in this universe won okay in regards to the lando switch tells me possibly likely a couple things um one there wasn't enough meat on the bone as writers say to have a series condensed it to a movie okay uh two the glovers are in tremendous demand and donald glover in particular has talked pandemic on looks at his schedule and says, you know, I can do a lot of things, but I want to do things I enjoy with people I enjoy. Uh, so I, I think it's a question of prioritizing time because again, you know, they have a lot they're working on. And, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the journey that was the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, when I rewatched it a couple months ago, I was struck I was struck by how much of that story arc is dependent on I want to see the first half showdown and I want to see the big showdown at the end. And it did feel a little bare at points. Um, and I think if you go into the genesis of this used to be a movie script that got expanded out. Again, I'm not being super critical of the show, but I think you could see evidence of that. I'll take a tight two-hour, 15-minute Lando movie versus... Okay, this was kind of a dull 35 minutes next week. A kind of slow 35 minutes. Oh, look, there's a Cloud City reference and then another dull 35 minutes and so forth. So, Pete, as as I think we both are saying, trust in the Glover brothers. Yes, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm uh, hankering to talk about a really eventful 45 minutes. Well, Pete, let's chart the course of this episode. Mist blankets the red forest of Cetos, and the waves crash against the henge where the destroyed star map lays in two pieces. 
X-Wings patrol as Hera descends the ramp of the ghost with her blaster drawn. She removes her comlink and tells Carson she has nothing, and he sees nothing on his scope. She orders him to do a full sweep and report back. Jason comes to the edge of the ramp with Chopper and asks if he can come out, which his mom allows but tells him not to wander off since they don't know this planet. As they look around, Hera signals to her son and droid to stop and finds Huyang cradling Sabine's helmet, lamenting how he told her and Ahsoka to stay together, but they never listen. Jason steps forward and looks out into the sea. Pete, this is far from Dave Filoni's first live-action directorial uh, outing here. He has directed six previous episodes of live-action, three Mandalorian, one Book of Boba Fett, and, of course, the, uh, the first episode of this series. However, the visuals in this episode and in this teaser act in particular, I would like to propose those visuals show this is the first episode of the rest of Dave Filoni's directorial prowess the trust here to have quiet moments to linger over the red forests to show a sense of absence as the waves crash and so forth uh, i won't stop our narration at every point that he stops to to linger and to be a visual storyteller and of course he's got animation direction experience uh you know to great amount but it's just you know the time hera takes to search with the gun out and so forth. None of it feels in excess. All of it feels steeped in emotion. Uh, and again, this is this is Dave Filoni, comma, director 2.0. Yes, as the title card tells us, part five, Shadow Warrior, we transition to the starry space filled with serpentine paths. We last saw Ahsoka in Marveling, at how Anakin looks the same. But he tells her she looks old, which she acknowledges happens. She does not remember what happened, and Anakin reminds her she lost a fight. She remembers Balin's skull, and he tells her that's good, as it means she still has a chance to live. She wants to know what's going on, and he says he's there to finish her training, which she says is a little late, but he tells her one is never too old to learn. She asks her master the lesson, and he says, live, igniting his lightsaber, or die. She tells him she won't fight him, and he says he's heard that before. I love the little visual flourish here that uh, indeed she is not fighting when he attacks and she is using her lightsaber in defense. In the real world, we go back to the stone circle where Jason looks towards the horizon as Hera and Huyang wonder if all who are missing might indeed be on the ring ship that they saw leave at the end of last episode. Carson Teva updates that they need to check in with HQ ASAP or risk getting in trouble. You'll never guess who's holding down the fort for them, Senator Organa. And for the briefest moment, I was like, oh, are we going to get something there? Probably best 
that we don't we probably don't need a cg de-aged carrie fisher and so forth but the, the, she's in the story nonetheless she's mm-hmm. gonna hold things off meanwhile jason is sensing something out there at the horizon the waves sound like lightsabers and with that information hera restarts the search the ghost and the x-wings all getting ready to go out uh and it is noted perhaps for the benefit of some in the audience uh the jason has abilities what with his father being a late jedi Kanan Jarrus here, name-checked. I love the transition to wherever Ahsoka is, and we'll hash all that out when we talk theories, um, to the crashing more violently waves against the the cliffs there, um, and the, the moment of Jason reaching out... Um, I think there are people that might be confused. Did Hera hear the lightsabers? I think it's more, well, my son hears these. He has his father's uh, contribution of force sensitivity. If he's telling me he hears this, let's keep looking. Okay. I, I would uh, go ahead. I would sub- substantively agree. And I think that what Filoni is doing here visually he's letting it be in the midground and again if you say in the world of star wars who heard it just jason because jason has abilities but to again to have the visuals of maybe hera's picking up on it because it's there maybe it's just jason who because it's solely a force thing um again it's just this is a different director than we got in his first outing in the first season of mandalorian absolutely Ahsoka and Anakin continue to duel, reaching a circular point on the path where Ahsoka gets the better of her old master, spinning a kick across his face. She tells him it looks like he doesn't have much left to offer and tells uh, her he hasn't taught her everything uh, before slashing the path, dropping Ahsoka all the way down to a pink-hued surface where a visibly younger Ahsoka rises as clone troopers run by in their original armor. Anakin orders them forward as he ignites his lightsaber, revealing his Clone Wars armor and shorter haircut right out of the animated Clone Wars series. Young Ahsoka, played by then- 15-year-old Ariana Greenblatt, she of most recently Barbie, and uh, she played young Gamora in um, Avengers Infinity War, uh, tells uh, Anakin to wait before explosions backlight the smoke, illuminating the shape of an ATTE tank. She recognizes it as one of their first missions in the Clone Wars, and asks why they're there. Indeed, a sense of confusion for what we see as young Ahsoka here. Also, too, I I kept going back and forth on first viewing. 
so frequently smoke and haze are added to visual effects when something isn't working and they just add smoke and haze to hide it. That is not the case here. I think, Pete, that Industrial Light and Magic might have digital assets already made for things like the Clone Trooper uh, dropships and things of that sort. It really is. And similarly, I think if this was a Clone Wars episode, okay, you'd have somebody animating the background up the wazoo and you'd sit and, you know, copy paste a hundred clones running around in the background to the horizon. Here, Filoni is holding off and the haze is used to focus us not on, ooh, I remember that ship from when I went to the movies in the early 2000s and instead to keep it on the characters here and to keep the conversation going. You also get the added layer of the haze of war and the fact that this is not a real presentation that we are seeing it's an extension of the world between worlds and all of that so again the visuals really singing later at a midpoint in the battle young ahsoka looks at the dead and the wounded reflecting on the loss of so many anakin teaches that this is war and the jedi must lead even in these times where keepers of the peace must be soldiers but what does she want if not anakin's levity the, the battle continues, and Anakin runs towards the, the hazy front line, and Ahsoka sees flashes of Anakin as Vader in one of the, uh, the real keystone moments of the episode. Yeah, just the use of the volume and the explosions setting off the, the shapes of what you refer to these digital assets, the Republic gunships, the, the big precursors to the adats uh and then that moment that happens a couple times which is blink and you miss it but it just tells us so much you said world between worlds i'm not saying that matt and um really that we can see twilex here visible uh, besides the clone troopers, probably places them on Ryloth uh, early on in their adventures together. Uh, Captain Rex is there um, in this first, uh, I'll put air quotes there, memory. Um, but they're going to fight on uh, because, you know, as you mentioned, that Keeper of the Peace uh, aspect has morphed now into soldiers, which he's trying to teach her to be. Okay. Um, and she stands as more troopers run by and those ATTEs advance. Meanwhile, waves continue to crash as Jason and Chopper watch the X Wing search. Carson contacts Hera and asks how many more times they must circle, but she tells him to widen the sweep along the coast. He points out they're going to press their fuel reserves, which she appreciates. They head out and the ghost gets low. In the cockpit, Hera admits to Yang that Carson's not wrong. Ahsoka and Sabine seem lost and they could join them. Yang expresses surprise. The New Republic sent help, but she admits she just left of her own accord. Uh, she wonders if the senators were right to deny her authorization for the mission. And he tells her she does things the way she does because she cares. 
which is why people like her. She asks where Ahsoka and Sabine could be, and Hu Yang says anything is possible, especially with Lady Tano. Hera admires Ahsoka's tenacity, which Hu Yang says she inherited from her master. And Hera asks what he was like, and Hu Yang offers only intense. Jason contacts his mother to relay coordinates from Chopper, but they'll have to get as low as they can, and they drop just above the rough sea. Back in the flashback memory portion of the story, a two-bladed Ahsoka now with... Blue lightsabers now. Indeed, and a different uh, headband uh, Mm -hmm. fights Mandalorians. Uh, and Ahsoka earns praise from Captain Rex. The clones will secure the perimeter ahead uh, at this, the Siege of Mandalore. Anakin was not there in reality, but in this place, he notes that he can see that she is a warrior. Anakin also reflects on the legacy of training from master to apprentice. And uh, we go back to the beginning point. The choice was to live or die and Anakin's lightsaber turns red. They battle, Anakin and Ahsoka do, the thrusts pushing Ahsoka back onto the bridge, the starry bridge, as Anakin flashes into Vader again. Another amazing moment. Uh, Ultimately, he overpowers Ahsoka, knocking away both of her lightsabers, but she turns and turns again, gaining control of his red lightsaber, She throws it away. She chooses to live. He looks at her sympathetically and smiles, his yellow eyes turning back to their normal hue. He says there's hope for her yet and disappears. Yes. uh, She hears a crack of thunder, looks away, and he's gone. The stars start to drift down as the space fills with liquid here. Matt, total baptismal imagery which transitions into Ahsoka floating, now Christ-like, arms outstretched, opening her eyes as light finds her. A female X-Wing pilot jumps in wearing a wire and brings Ahsoka up to a waiting ghost where a male pilot pulls her on the ramp and she calls softly for Anakin. In the morning... Jason and Chopper watch as the seas have calmed and the ships return. He knows they have Ahsoka, where later she sleeps in a bed on her ship without her headband as light gently wakes her. Matt, uh, one of the costuming details that really was driven home for me in this episode when Ahsoka is her youngest, she has like the green pointy portions uh, above her forehead. I always thought that was somehow part of her face, and that was what was being covered up by headbands. Now to see, and difference animation to live action, that that's some sort of elaborate headband. I knew she had the the little like chains in the back. It's it's jewelry essentially. Um, but I would argue this is the weakest point of this episode because 
it looks like the bald cap without something there. I get the need to do it. And we also know from the Tales of the Jedi animated uh, stories that, okay, there's there's nothing above her forehead. It just transitions into what are called the, the Montrails, um, that it goes from orange on her face to, to white up there. But in this light, I think the prosthetic's a little unflattering. I would agree that the the notion of uh, the notion of kind of the the hospital bed look, the hospital gown look, and that kind of starkness um, it doesn't it doesn't quite work here. Um, Pete, I might have had Dave Filoni asked me on the day, I would have said, "Quick, get some gauze." And put it across the seam there. Right. Or and give her it, that new headband that she comes down with. You know, that, all right, it's not hair. She doesn't have hair. She has these tusks, you know, much like Hera. Um, but, yeah, it, it just, it was a little distracting. Similarly, Pete, I was interested to learn with the headband off that Tegruta do not have um, ears as we do. But if you look carefully, if you're if you're not uh, distracted by the the her upper forehead by Ahsoka's upper forehead or Rosaria Dawson's you know makeup line there, uh, there are little ear like slits there, uh, which I'm sure they needed to figure out, you know, because the nature of the prosthetic covering the ears and so forth. So if nothing else, Pete, we've learned some things about the physicality and the culture of the Tegruta people um, and spent a long time pondering such things as, as we're wont to do. But as she awakens, Hu Yang is there offering her a drink. I, I almost wish he was like, would you like this restorative bone broth? Uh, but we're, we're at a minimum here. Um, she ultimately uh, has dressed in gray and exits the ship, stepping into the stone circle. Uh, she's noticed by Jason, who hugs her. And Jason is sent away out of the scene so that Ahsoka and Hera might catch up. No way to figure out what happened, right? Well, this these pieces of the map may have a memory impression that can guide uh, what is next. Ahsoka, essentially, Pete, and I say this, I say this tongue in cheek. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> that she gets caught up with a force powered previously on. Yes. <laughs> uh, so she's able to report that Sabine was last alive, leaving with the baddies. But how do they go after them? And just in case, Pete, you thought we didn't have a story clock, Carson Tever reports that the fleet is on the way. And they're not coming to help. He doesn't think she tells Ahsoka Hera does she'll deal with it um, while uh, she will find a way to find Sabine. Ahsoka looks at the Mandalorian helmet and then to the sky, hearing the Purgles bellow in the ghost cockpit. Hera speaks to Chancellor Mon Mothma who says there's nothing more she can do absent uh, evidence of Imperial remnant activity or prisoners. And she orders her and Ahsoka to return to Coruscant with the fleet. Fleet's a little bit of a 
shall we say, Matt, overestimation. They have three X-Wings and the Ghost, which is uh, Hera's ship. So whatever. How about just return to Coruscant? Would yeah, I would have. I, I, I know at various points the authority is referred the authority variant uh you know that has showed up at Cetos is referred to as fleet command i yeah. would have just copy pasted um in the entire script anytime you say fleet you say fleet command because i would agree the fleet when, send the fleet you imagine you know rise of skywalker ships. fleet not <laughs> not you know it's three big ships yeah it was referred once as a squadron of x-wings five x-wings so okay Harris says she's not sure Ahsoka or herself will agree to this. And Ma Mothma says the Senate Oversight Committee will determine if Harris' command should be permanently suspended. She advises her she'll need Ahsoka's testimony to help her and apologizes before ending the hollow call. Hera tells Carson they're losing. And Ahsoka enters to tell them she knows how to follow Sabine. The ships take off and head out over the sea. Hera is not sure she likes the plan and Hu Yang seconds, but Ahsoka says there's no other way without the map. They cruise into the clouds and find the graceful Purgle. A massive one emerges from the clouds and Hu Yang directs them to it. Love the textures here, Matt, on uh, Ahsoka's new outfit really reminiscent of what she wore in the epilogue for star Wars rebels, the small details on it, the X stitches, uh, at the, uh, the neckline. And then, uh, you know, just a little bit of color details on it, you know, some pinks, some purples. Uh, she tells Huyang to wish her luck and exits the hatch onto the wing to watch the beasts, the big one rising up to the bow of her ship. As Jason watches from the safety of the ghost, Carson contacts Hera to tell them they have incoming, which she says uh, can't interrupt them, lest the pod, canonical now, Matt, it was it was all a fait, fait accompli of Purgle, be frightened. Teva, as you said, tasked with doing the stalling, he goes up to the fleet. He's told that there is no mission of which he can be a part. He respectfully disagrees. There's some uh, notion here that he really is starting to cross the line, could be stripped of his rank and so forth. Uh, he is trying to communicate that the best way to help is for Hera's uh, mission to be completed. So sigh okay he's gonna tell this crazy story which we cut away from um that's not a complaint we don't need to hear him recapping this episode uh on the ghost hera and jason look on as jason lightly recaps that the purgle took ezra and the bad guys far far away dave filoni this time i appreciate what you did there we had a little bit too too much what was it last week i have a bad feeling about this I'm okay with this one here. Uh, ultimately, Ahsoka in communication with the, the the biggest Purgle sees it opening its mouth, sees that as an invitation. Hu Yang flies the ship in. As for her master plan here, uh, she has no idea if the Purgle know where Sabine was taken. No idea, but let's see where it goes. 
which I think is a masterful story flor- story flourish. Mm-hmm. It works on a variety of ways. First, we're watching a constructed story, and we know that after this, there's only so many episodes left. So they're probably going to go find the rest of the story, of which there's been preview footage since April. Okay, but Ahsoka doesn't need to know that. Ahsoka doesn't need to remind us of our foreknowledge. Also, it speaks to a general faith in fate, faith in the force, faith in the goodness rising and all of that. It's just a really, it's a, it's an inspired moment versus I feel the Purgle knows that we have to go directly to the right. thing that's going to help us with the story. Good job, Dave, who has written every episode of this series. Less, certainly more here. It's better than going nowhere. The pod flies on as the ghost moves out. Uh, the captain, eventually named as Gerard, um, hears the rest of Carson's explanation of the classified uh, locations. And uh, Hera reaches out to advise her to move her fleet out of the pod's path. Captain orders evasive maneuvers as the Purgle breach the atmosphere, moving around the ships in an awe-inspiring moment with Kevin Kiner's music swelling, their tentacles beginning to glow, and Hera telling Ahsoka, who remember her ship is inside the mouth of one, that it looks like the pod is ready to jump. Ahsoka expresses Uh, Sorrow that Hera and the others can't make the trip. Hera jokes, Jason's too young to travel between galaxies anyway. And Ahsoka promises she'll find them. And Hera wishes the Force be with her as light engulfs the cockpit and they jump to hyperspace. Time to peer into the force for some theories. Matt, where was Ahsoka? Well, clearly you're gearing up for it not being the world between worlds. So I guess I will anticipate that by saying thusly. If you want to tell me that this was, it it was in the grand tradition of that great entrant of cinema the wizard of oz if it was all a dream then i guess she got knocked off the cliff got a bump on the head and and floated out to sea um if so then what fate that she might dream such things and, and all of that um that said i mean the last time chronologically at least to my knowledge i don't have all the animation stuff chronologically arranged in my head the last time that we saw certainly live action anakin skywalker was him imperfectly inserted into the end of return of the jedi but in his anakin form so here we are what approximately seven or eight years later that he might as a force uh you know as someone who who was left this world as a goodie here he is appearing in his Anakin form in some sort of force conversation with his old Padawan. Uh, You might be about to blow me out of the figurative water here, but uh, I I think they were in, whether it's literally the world between worlds or some other, some other place uh, between this world and the next, I, I think this was a real experience that they both shared. So certainly 
the case for the world between worlds is that Jason hears lightsabers. However, is it possible she had a force dream? This notion here that she told uh, early on in the series, well, Anakin never completed my training. I walked away clearly heavy on her mind as she's attempted to and, and still is trying to take Sabine under her wing, train someone who has never shown any inclination to use the force to wield it. Um, and unresolved business for her with her old master. Th there's the psychological aspect of it that I think best supports that it is a dream, but perhaps a force dream. She was unconscious in the water. Um, could she have dreamt it filled up with water and then she transitioned to the water? I would say that's the likeliest explanation. The force being mystical, uh, best left misunderstood, read midichlorians. Um, I think it points more to the dream and less to the world between worlds because that opens up a lot of uncomfortable Anakin stuff and that in the dream or in these memories both right like anakin accesses a memory he wasn't at uh with the siege of mandalore so again it, it points more to the psychological instead of the mystical with the exception that Jason seems to hear the lightsaber stuff. I'd argue that's a narrative way. How do we find her? How do we know she's out here instead of nobody's here? Let's leave. At the end of the day, I just return to this maturing uh, that Filoni has gone through. Um, just in the last couple of days, Pete, I was watching a YouTube film analysis of Quentin Tarantino stuff and hammering home how, you know, what's in the case in Pulp Fiction? The answer is my answer can be different than yours. And it's intentionally there as, as is the case, uh, in, in glorious bastards, what's the cause of, uh, Brad Pitt's, uh, the, 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 the rope burn in his neck. We can have different takes and we had that that personalizes the experience for us in star Wars. Where does the force come from? Oh, it, many would feel that George overwrote and midichlorians and midichlorian count and that and that that we don't always need an, the same answer for everybody. Um, and I would argue here that Filoni, in this case, he may not have an answer as the writer, director, as the writer of this series and the director of this episode. He may not have an answer. And if so, to me, that is superior to the notion that he might say, well, you know, uh, here, definitively, if you look at this one particular perspective here, it's 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 this versus that. Um, he, he he's trusting in all of us, Pete. He he, as they said in the the little Ahsoka thing on Disney Plus, you know, he wants the Padawan now, the Master, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, that's. I, I hope he comes out at some point and says there is no definitive answer. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see, and perhaps there'll be more clarification throughout this series. 
Um, Anakin tells Ahsoka when she says she won't fight that uh, he's heard that before. Uh, Luke on the second Death Star tells his father he won't fight him. It it could read there as all right. This is Anakin, the the Force ghost that we also don't have the traditional blue hue, right? Kind of um, you know ghost apparition nature of it uh and we don't know all the other conversations he ever had with his padawan they could have been training i don't want to i don't want to fight you uh could could be a line like that again it, it works in the the multiple ways um mentioned before i i do not believe that hera heard the lightsabers that it was merely her trust in her son's uh, latent abilities and, uh, you know, what he inherited from, uh, her, you know, her love, Kane and Jarrus. Um, what's interesting, Matt, is we seem to be on a countdown now for Jason's training. I don't mean to sound like a broken record here, but it's something I've observed many times about Star Wars that, Sometimes there's a sometimes there's the plan, right? Like the the you know the the, the uh, post credit scene in Mandalorian season two. Clearly, the plan is Book of Boba Fett season three coming in less than a year. Okay, got it. Other times, the author of a piece again, they there might be a plan. The Young Jason Chronicles coming to Disney Plus next year or whatever, or it could just be. Somebody, or, you know, Jason is a real character, is a real person in the Star Wars uh, universe, and his training is going to continue, whether it's Dave Filoni writing the movie, the five-episode thing, the open-ended anime, whether there's a plan or not, Jason has the plan, and if it's not going to get told by these storytellers, it's there to get told by other people at some point, and it's not necessarily... With the plan, it's not necessarily with kind of the more crass, you know. And then, you know, then Marvel Comics can do a Star Wars imprint and do the Jason limited miniseries. Like, it could just be because these characters are moving in their own direction and someone will pick up that story at some point. We mentioned in our recap Senator Organa. This, of course, Leia, uh, not her uh, foster father want to make that clear, even though we've had Mon Mothma here, this is not Bale Organa long since dead. Okay. Later in the timeline. Um, so many people on social media have ranked on what they've done in Mandalorian, what they've uh, further established in Ahsoka, the ineffectiveness of the new Republic. But again and why it works to mention leia in this episode not by name but by last name um they're paving the path for how she will leave politics again and in rank become a general of the resistance yeah and we've discussed many times before the star wars universe uh, at least the the portions that are interesting, the portions that we have seen, um, show a government in constant decay uh, and sometimes renewal, but then the decay sets right in. Uh, Pete, if we if we ever get to see the acolyte, 
uh, set in the High Republic era. I mean, on the one hand, it will be interesting to see the Republic in the High Republic era and things at their best, but let's not forget there's bad people in the Acolyte that are slowly, presumably, because what that's about 100 years before uh, A New Hope, or 100 years before Emperor Palpatine. Like, just point being, while they're not necessarily going to say, and look, here's baby Palpatine, who's now gets the 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 <laughs> um, the, the Sith, you know, uh, cross around Rattle. his neck or whatever. <laughs> you know, nonetheless, it's going to be the beginning of the, the erosion of the High Republic into the prequels and all of that. So, um, yeah, Pete, this in a week where, without delving into too much info, we got a, a DM from a, a loyal and longtime listener saying, what is going on in your country? I, sometimes it's renewal sometimes it's decay sometimes it's a, a, a minor twist the wrong way sometimes it's the beginning of a big twist the wrong way or we're, we're going to circle back around and make things even better our story is as of yet unwritten well get out of my notes uh which we do not share with one another dear listener you say renewal this baptismal imagery of ahsoka in the water Okay, found, brought out of the water by pilots. Okay, uh, the white outfit here. Um, the idea that she's communing with animals, not the first time, canonically, Ahsoka has done that. The very first uh, chronological appearance doing that uh, before she even went to train with the Jedi. Uh, so really this rebirth for her and the costume symbolic of that, it's going to be interesting to see, does she don the lightsabers again, or is she going to be as Grogu has a, a Jedi that doesn't use those that can use the ability to commune with animals Let's remember, you know, Luke fought a rancor and needed to use a bone instead of stretching his hand out calm. And, you know, the, the Java Palace uh, sequence is completely different if they go that direction. Um, you know, but th this is an interesting way that they're approaching her. Uh, what it portends for the rest of the series and the character going forward, I, I think, is obviously left to the imagination you mentioned what we've seen of what's coming matt there are a total of two shots that are publicly available of the rest of this show and both have uh grand admiral thrawn one is him walking out onto the uh upper portion of the eye of scion looking out onto a jungle uh the other is a forward facing shot of him with his red eyes that's it. All I know is when we hear Kevin Kiner's space organ hit when he uh, does show up, we're going to lose it. In response to um, how Ahsoka's, the character, is being visually presented now, I have a, a serious and a less serious thought. First is, it, it occurred to me on rewatch, with her lighter clothing now, and how you light that and so forth. I think that visually there might be something to be said to have 
the green lightsabers return. It, it's a bit monochromatic. I think that the the blue and white uh, of her of her head gets washed out a little bit. Again, I think that you could just you could throw some color in there by saying, you know, and now I am a Jedi, therefore I have a, a green lightsaber. And Pete, on the topic of color, you've said these complimentary things about uh, her clothing. Yes bits of of purple and blue perhaps in there but overall it a color neither n- neither white nor dark um add to that the episode called shadow warrior uh shadows also neither white nor black gray if you will will iconic star wars warriors the jedi here she is pete surely you will agree here she is fully presented in gray on the path to becoming a Jedi. Perhaps she has finished her tutelage. Pete, is she not a gray Jedi? Have the gray Jedi returned? I'm not not even gonna uh, acknowledge that phrase, okay? It's light side, it's dark side. Uh, Sith deal in absolute, and so does this guy who uh, is firmly Jedi. Uh, No, she is wearing white. Ever since Tuesday night, I've been looking forward to winding you up about the fact that canonically Dave Filoni, our new Pater Familius, has created the Grey Jedi. Nope, nope, does not exist. Does not exist. Matt, Carson, his rank is in jeopardy as well. Uh, Further possibly pushing him, Hera, who could be demoted as well, to full-blown Rangers of the New Republic? Pete, once upon a time, as our listeners know, I believe it was December 2020, the investor razzle-dazzle thing that Disney did, uh, Rangers of the New Republic was announced as a show without a lead. They, of course, were were working through issues with with an actor, no longer part of Star Wars, etc., etc. Story-wise, I am ready for Rangers of the New Republic, particularly if we say... If we say that this Ahsoka series is strictly limited to this season, or let's say generally limited, like maybe they would do another, that sort of thing, but it's not meant to be, for example, with Mandalorian, it's not meant to be as open-ended as one can see around the corner in modern Hollywood these days and so forth. Um, so, So perhaps that opens up a spot for Rangers of the New Republic. Let me bring in the real world of Hollywood, though, on the one hand, there's a cooling towards spending all this money towards streamers and the, the push towards making Disney Plus profitable and Wall Street will like that and so forth. Um, flip side, what's the most successful panel uh, on Disney Plus been? The most successful box has certainly been the Star Wars box. So I think it kind of cuts both ways. I think there's something to be said for, you know, if you're going to have two ongoing star wars shows a year mandalorian is one do you want the other to be a jedi or could it be as in we're gonna do we just confirmed ahsoka five season plan or is it rangers of the new republic where ahsoka can come in and come out um as needed as the story might call for um i mean i think of i think some of the construction success of the mandalorian as a production is you don't need your actor to be there, right? That's the whole thing. You don't need you don't need your actor to be on set every day. 
what's more attractive in a forward-looking corporate sense ahsoka where you need like rosario dawson every day to be ahsoka or rangers of the new republic this season with uh hera and carson teva and ahsoka but then ahsoka is called away for the rest of this season and part of next season because of real life stuff or script stuff or uh money whatever it is and you swap people in and out so you could really be onto something here that maybe the saving grace is the first show that got killed in the cradle rangers of the new republic and really what sets up as the next season of the mandalorian right carson teva maybe hera as you know m or whatever model you want to choose Hey, Mando and Grogu, there's a bad guy over here doing this. You're going on that adventure. You're going on this adventure. Report back every once and again. Maybe Mon Mothma uh, is up in there. We've still got the intrigue with, uh, you know, the the agent, the, the comms officer on Coruscant. I, I think it'll be a slow burn of really intertwining all these they're they're not disparate threads they're they're all connected add to that what we're on the precipice here of grand admiral thrawn and what happens next now you know do we open with him uh in part six do we open with the eye of scion arriving wherever that is do we open with the purgle you know, oops, took a wrong turn in Albuquerque, and uh, we're over here by Coruscant. Like, what is next? I mean, to know that... To know that we have three episodes to go makes me wonder, Pete, if you are onto something. Makes me wonder if maybe, maybe they knew all along that this was always going to be more than one season. And the fact that, you know, the fact that day one of Star Wars Celebration, there was uh, footage in the room of Thrawn, but it was only at the end of day two when they released that trailer to everybody. So you, some who were so inclined spent 24 hours like, here's the grainy iPhone footage. Oh, send me the Reddit link. Oh, it's been pulled down. Oh, it's on YouTube. It's gone. Like, Again, one of the first things that we saw, Thrawn, you now have me wondering, perhaps we don't resolve that issue this season. Um, which, story-wise, it makes me very exciting. Real world, Pete, have they gone on to shoot season two? Not in the last couple months. So there might be this really great construction with the original intent of we're going to wow them and then we will already be filming season two by the time the season one finale happens. Um, but we just might have to wait even longer and longer. Ezra catches a couple references in this episode. Could that be where we open part six? I feel torn. And again, coming off of having watched this video about Tarantino and having recently watched rewatching glorious bastards that, uses to great effect this idea of here's a chapter okay next chapter and you go this is this seems wholly unrelated to what i just saw and it's, you got to move through the chapter to see oh i'm starting to see the connection points here 
it would be interesting if Star Wars did that. That's not necessarily a Star Wars flavor. Um, Star Wars tends to be a bit more direct in its um, just overall construction of a story. That's not to say that, you know, a Favreau Filoni production couldn't mix things up a little bit. My gut tells me just it, it being Star Wars, we left with Ahsoka jumping into hyperspace. Maybe we get a teaser act that somehow is coming from a different perspective, uh, whether it's, you know, bearded Ezra looking through prison bars or whatever it might be. But I think that my strong bet would be that once we get the title of next week's episode on screen, you know, Star Wars Ahsoka, episode part six, blah, blah, blah. I would expect if we haven't seen Ahsoka yet that coming out of that title, we get Ahsoka arriving. But Pete, on the topic of Ahsoka's trip, I love this theory that I saw online. Have we already seen Ahsoka's trip through hyperspace? Did Grogu spot those Purgle with Ahsoka moving through <laughs> hyperspace in, in, in that Mandalorian episode? So, chronologically... What has happened in this show happened prior to that. I mean, it could work that way. Carson has not had his rank busted. He calls out, you know, a Delphi base in this episode. That'd be an interesting way to go. The the travel, particularly of such distance, surely must take time, right? Like, it's not a one-to-one boom. The the space whale goes, and then we have folded space uh, to to that point. I, I don't mind that at all in the least that they passed on the way. I think the implication also too was, all right, we're gonna have Grogu see these shadows. Uh, fans will do the you know Leonardo DiCaprio thing. Uh, normal people will go, wow, there are, there are things in there. And uh, the baby saw it and the, the knight in armor uh, might be asleep because I can't see into his helmet. Uh, and the baby came and sat on his lap. Uh, cool. I, I'll see more of these when I need to. Oh, those are what those are now. Okay. Um, I, I think you'd need to hit the viewer over the head for them to know that it's, it's best left unsaid. I think the remaining episodes will deliver partial clarity on that. What did our rebel friends have to say with our poll on Twitter this week, Pete, the question was, which part of Shadow Warriors landed best for you? Uh, of the three choices I gave, lowest at 21.2% was the Bridge Battle. Next at 28.8%, Vader Shadows. And at 46.2%, Young Ahsoka. Some replies here. James is sagacious. Big killing on Twitter says, loved every second. They brought the Clone Wars to life. They even pulled off a snips. Uh, next, AK Frank Castle, that's DJ underscore black, B L A K 357 on Twitter, said another thing for those who watch Rebels, Ezra always seemed a bit conflicted. 
uh, within the Force seeking Sith knowledge? Is there any way he comes back using the dark side after spending time with Thrawn? I doubt it, but that's an angle to look out for. Pete, your thoughts? That's been something for a long time. I, in particular, think is a tantalizing piece. If I was in control of the Star Wars universe at the end of uh, Mandalorian, the the post-credit scene for season three would have been uh, our first appearance of Thrawn, would have been a monologue, him speaking to, to somebody unseen at that point. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to crush the rebels on and on and on. Okay. Uh, camera pans to the visage of Ezra Bridger with eyes closed, seemingly meditating. A beat, eyes open, Sith eyes smashed to black. That would have been my teaser. I think uh, a, a simple, hey, Ezra is on our side and Sabine and Ahsoka are going to team up and beat the bad guy is uninteresting. We want development. What if he's fallen to the dark side? What if he's come to see Thrawn's side of things? What if they've had to team up for whatever reasons? Um, either way, I think it'll be interesting. But Pete, who would be there to redeem him? Maybe the apprentice of Anakin, who himself did not have his Padawan and may have theoretically been redeemed had Ahsoka stuck around. So there's like that, a redemption of the lack of redemption arc. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm liking that. To stick with this tangent for a moment, Pete, do you think, I know we've had, to my knowledge, to my thought, two post-credit scenes, the one at the end of Mandalorian season two, saying Book of Boba Fett is a thing. And at the end of Andor, a post-credit scene to be true, but a nominal one to say, hey, right. those things are, you know, the things that they he were making. He was making the thing that ultimately kills him. Right, right. Do you, that said, do you think that Star Wars has been well served to not do the Marvel style post-credit scene, which is get excited for the next thing versus, and I know that's what, that's what Mandalorian did with Book of Boba Fett. I would. Right. argue that was slightly different in that they were announcing a show no one knew existed yeah um do you think star wars has done the right thing to not have post credit scenes that zip you to the next point yeah but let's look at what it all stems from matt iron man book of boba fett what's the through line who's the through line yeah john favreau yeah, the guy's going to become the the grandfather of the post-credit scene. He didn't invent it. It's not a new thing. He's best weaponized it to this point. I mean, everything we watch, every time we go to the movies, Matt, we're in the freaking Super Mario Brothers movie, and we're waiting to watch an end credit scene, and what do you know? There was one there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, It's a thing now. It is... Like you said, it primarily exists as we're going to hype you for the next thing. But oftentimes it delivers further story points. You did not need to watch the first ever Star Wars uh, end credit scene advertising the book of Boba Fett. I didn't know there was one. I turned the episode off in, in post, you know, Luke Skywalker bliss. 
hours later i'm seeing book of boba fett i'm like all right are people like give us a show this is what it should be called no wait it it's announced no wait there's a trailer at the end of mandalorian season two wait what you know that kind of thing so the hype over outweighs uh the the story point and of course that was covered in a flashback in the book of boba fett you didn't need to see it you could watch that all right hey quickly here's repurposing of that footage boba fett killed uh you know obese bib fortuna took Jabba's throne took his enterprise okay um as you said the andor one it's not a vital story point it's ironic okay the thing they were making in the prison all along hopefully it's not a spoiler for anybody nearly a year on uh is the thing that ultimately takes andor's life and you know helps establish him as uh, a, a legend in the rebellion okay they've yet to have one of true story uh significance maybe that's the best way to go maybe they just haven't had one yet we don't know if they'll have one at the end of this season back to twitter we hear from bob keely at r keely on twitter i'm truly enjoying ahsoka and this episode was no exception seeing young ahsoka in live action was great and seeing her with anakin was a real bonus Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 says, you can tell Filoni really loves these characters. The care he takes in telling these stories was palpable. Not Palpatine, Pete, palpable. <laughs> Young Ahsoka was incredible, and I need more Purgles. We have to see Thrawn next week, right? Hope we have him the whole episode. We hear again from uh, AK Frank Castle, DJ Black, 357. This show is amazing. I believe Rogue One is the best singular Star Wars project, but Ahsoka is slowly changing my mind. I don't think you can fully appreciate this show unless you've watched Rebels or Ahsoka's arc in Clone Wars. I vote Dave Filoni to take over MCU TV. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, <a> lot. <laughs> if nothing else, Pete, it's a reminder that at one point Kevin Feige was going to do a Star Wars movie too. We can put that in the in development Star Wars movie file. Uh, we hear from Major Noel Gardner, Pete. No one's ever going to bust her down at rank. Okay, she yeah. says this was by far my favorite episode of Star Wars television. Live action Ahsoka was perfect. Ariana Greenblatt captured every bit of Clone Wars era Ahsoka. Hayden was so good transitioning back and forth between Anakin and Vader. If Vader hadn't been confined to a suit, he would have been an even greater terror to the galaxy. Now onto Jason, he could sense the world between worlds. The Force is strong with him. If Hu Yang won't teach him, there's a Jedi school being built that could. I know a perfect person to play a younger <laughs> Luke, and she shares a GIF gif of uh, Sebastian Stan. Your thoughts, Pete? couple things so ariana greenblatt and this first live action glimpse of a younger ahsoka um initially i'm like this girl is too tiny and then obviously research she was 15 years old when she filmed it which is is perfect and also underscores what the jedi fought with child soldiers okay this girl says she did not train for this she did not anakin's whole point well you gotta adapt with the times this was not what was meant to happen to her and and along with that 
her connection with the clones who in terms of their age are younger than she is. So really what did the Jedi do? They went from we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers Two days later. Here's an army that's been made for us. Bring everybody you got who can wield a lightsaber, even you, 15-year-old, and let's go fight a bunch of people. So there's that. As to her next point about Hayden Christensen, which let's just acknowledge, you know, that the king is back and also free of George Lucas's tenured dialogue, the guy can actually act. Okay, and he gave you all the warm vibes and everything you needed as as Anakin portrayed the the power. And that's where the transitions Anakin to Vader twice really matter. Um, I think it's further evidence of it being the dream. She carries in the knowledge she's fought Darth Vader. Okay, so she has that. Also, that Anakin's spirit wouldn't have the duality of both Anakin and Darth Vader. It would purely be Anakin, right? Uh, I'll disagree with that because the Darth Vader persona was part of Anakin all along. Yeah, I also well, think... hang on, hang on, okay? He, he fell to the dark side, he came back, he gets ghost form first as... Sebastian Shaw, then they, you know, wipe him out. I get it. You had the the younger actor and George can do this now and put a head on, you know, a, a, a digital ghost body. Okay. And does that. There's no, you know, uh, wishy-washy there. Okay. He went to, you know, force heaven as good. He stays good. Could it also, if it is, if what we are seeing is, is real, i.e. world between worlds and so forth, could it be that he is leveraging the Vader part of himself for her, you know, like pushing, pushing, pushing her, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Mr. Miyagi is not a bad guy, but you sure feel like he's a bad guy when he makes you wax all the cars for you know, for three hours and whatnot. So could there be that kind of, he's flexing. When he his... lets John Kreese punch up, uh, you know, the, the car and, and shred his hands and then, you know, tweaks his nose. I, I, I guess, you know, cosplaying is the worst villain ever to, to get you to choose to actually, it's funny. You bring that up. What, what does Mr. Miyagi uh, say when he's, he's got the sensei, with the bloodied hands, live or die. There you go. Did, did Filoni crib <laughs> Karate Kid? Is that what just happened? <laughs> uh, hey, you never know. You never know. On to Diana Bodenberg on Twitter, who says this was by far the best Star Wars show yet. It was like watching live action Clone Wars. Anakin looked amazing and Hayden just killed it. I can't believe we got a Kanan reference. Very cool. Carson is the most laid back character. He just goes with the flow. The flash between <laughs> Vader and Anakin was done so well. Ahsoka the White is gorgeous. And did anyone get Dory oh, vibes? Ahsoka the White. Say it louder for the people in the back. Uh, Pete, Diana calls her Ahsoka the White. I, I, I might prefer to call her Ahsoka the Gray here. Uh, but Diana asks, did anyone get Dory vibes when Ahsoka was communing with the Purgle? I can't <laughs> wait to see what Dave does with a feature length movie. 
Uh, and uh, AKA Frank Castle replies and says, Clone Wars Anakin is the only Anakin I acknowledge. Wish Hayden had that character to reference for the prequels. Uh, then maybe we don't get Darth Weiner. Wow. Uh, next here on Twitter, Pete, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. There are a lot of Star Wars fans who think we've been oversaturated with content lately. Movies, TV series, novels, comics, etc. And those people may be right. But then comes along episode 105 of this little show. And to hell with those people, this show is Ahsoka freaking good. <laughs> uh, there, listen, put that on the poster right now. Ashoka freaking good. Next, we hear from, I'll always call it Twitter, at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1, on Twitter. This show, especially this episode, makes me want to watch the animated shows. Now I have to find time for that. Thanks, Filoni. I kept hoping Sabine had left a clue or done something to suggest she didn't sell out the galaxy for Ezra. Guess not. Ridge battle was very cool, and the young Ahsoka scenes were great. And how cool was it to see Anakin and even Vader? The effects were mostly great, especially the whales, even if their use was a bit telegraphed. Pete, uh, then the, the statements made, can't believe there's only one episode left. Major one, Noel Gardner corrected. There are three episodes left. Uh, and uh, KCLYLE1 on Twitter says, uh, well, I feel much better. Thank you. So look at that. The Major going from tweet to tweet, helping folks. Penultimately, we hear from Jacob Daniel Johnson at the original JDJ, who says, what an epic episode. Filoni has really outdone himself with this one. Young Ahsoka in the Clone Wars was fantastic with a PH. Those transitions from Anakin to Vader gave me chills. The lightsaber duels were some of the best I've ever seen in live action. Also, we got Ahsoka the White. And last... Last tweet, Pete, uh, comes from uh, Drive-By Wrestling Pod. That's at Drive-By Pod. Possibly the most satisfying episode of anything, Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. As anyone who reluctantly watched, uh, as someone who reluctantly watched both Clone Wars and Rebels, I thought cartoons were for kids, then fell in love with both. I'm blown away with this show. Episode 5 was everything uh, a fan could ever ask for. Pete, what do you have on your end? On Apple Podcasts, Matt, we have a review left for us, courtesy of 041785. The headline is your go-to thing, or your go-to for all things Star Wars, and it reads for five stars. Matt and Pete are insightful and entertaining, which is what keeps me coming back for more. I listen to them for everything related to Marvel, Star Wars, and Star Trek. Thank you for those kind words there. To the email inbox we go. Steve Adams says, hey guys, this week's episode was another winner. The confrontation between Ahsoka and Anakin was great, but it felt incomplete. It seems there's a lot more story to be told between those two. I have a feeling we will see Anakin again before the season is over. I really enjoyed the callbacks to Clone Wars as well as the young Ahsoka. I did not catch the name of the actress playing her, but she was wonderful. I really did not like Hayden Christensen's portrayal in Attack of the Clones, but it was better in Revenge of the Sith. He was amazingly... Uh, written amazingly well in Clone Wars, even though the voice actor was different. But his performance here was great with him actually capturing the essence of the cocky, restless, and free-spirited Anakin from the animated series. I'm really hard-pressed to find anything really wrong with this this episode. On another note, regarding naming the group of Purgle, alliteration is fine, but I was hoping for a rhyming scheme. Something like a burgle of Purgle just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) 
that's for all this week. Until next time, stay fantastic. Um, Hayden Christensen, it's a shame because of the actors on strike. We can't have him come forward here and talk about this. I'm sure there's a, you know, uh, Disney gallery where they have behind the scenes footage and that'll be great. But he has talked in the past about being a big fan of the Clone Wars show, of, of watching it all. And you feel that in his portrayal of Clone Wars era Anakin. They nailed the costume in terms of the uh, the armor, the, the Jedi insignia on his arm, everything like that. And then obviously wearing his duds from, uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith uh you know, at the time the siege of Mandalore was happening. Um, yeah, they just completely nailed it. Next email, Pete comes from Lauren who says, I wanted to weigh in with my two cents on this episode. Have been liking the series so far, the visuals and music supporting the story. Well, in addition to a great cast, I just finished getting through the whole series of rebels too. So that has been helping and providing context for what's happening. Still haven't seen clone wars yet, which admittedly might have helped me with this episode, but Oh, well, I like the overall premise of episode 5, that Ahsoka is being tested, taken to a point where she has to essentially choose which side of the Force to ally herself with, the life force or destructive force, resulting in a new Ahsoka that wears different clothes and acts more like Obi-Wan circa 1977 Star Wars. However, even though the transition to the white Gandalf version of Ahsoka is super cool to introduce, resolving it in one episode felt rushed. Not to negate her experiences in the world between worlds with her internal battles and struggles being uh, that looks like Anakin. I'm still not convinced that's actually who it was. But maybe it's hard to communicate the magnitude of everything she experienced in a 50-minute episode when you're also trying to service other characters. To me, this major plot point might have worked better if her experiences and flashbacks had been the only focus here with the resolution going into one more episode. Like if you saw Hera and Jason at the very end of the episode and Jason does his whole, listen, mom, you can hear lightsabers, which provided more room to explore her spiritual progression, give more gravitas to the situation, and put the viewer in a place where we can appreciate and savor what happened rather than cramming so much into one episode. Absolutely loved the last scene with the Purgles, though. That was completely magical. And the stalling tactics by Carson Teva brought some great humor into the episode. Can't wait until next week when I'm assuming Thrawn will finally appear on screen. Maybe we'll get to see Ezra Bridger too. I always look forward to your fantastic podcast episodes. Peace out. That's from Lauren. Lauren adds four for Ahsoka the White to Matt's one. Pete, we hear from Ben who says uh, Ahsoka the White. That wasn't even. (laughs) (laughs) 5-1. I just clicked. I, I read these for the first time as I click on Ahsoka the White. She's come back to us at the turn of the tide. Pete, that's a reference to the Lord of the Rings, a novel series from the 1960s. Uh, it happened in water. Uh, she finally completed her training with Anakin and became the Jedi she was always meant to be. It also reinforced what Luke said in The Last Jedi. The Jedi Council was a failure. They allowed themselves to be manipulated into a war they never should have fought and turned a generation of Padawans. Uh, all hoping to be guardians of the peace and justice into child soldiers unprepared for Order 66 and the follow-up purge by Vader and the Emperor. Also, a special shout-out to Kevin Kiner. His score for the show has been amazing. Not since Mandalorian Season 1 have I just let the credits run to listen to the music. His work on Clone Wars and Rebels was great, but he's gone to the next level here. Between Andor, uh, Mandalorian... Uh, Ahsoka and what we've got coming, if the studios actually want to work with the unions, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. 
Thanks for the email. Kiner's volume one for Ahsoka, the first four episodes, the soundtrack just hit yesterday. Next up, Pete, we hear from Jack in NYC who says, hi, Matt and Pete. I enjoyed episode five of Ahsoka. I like that they didn't just try to make Hayden Christensen younger just with makeup like they did in Kenobi. I also watched the Ahsoka episode of Clone Wars and Rebels, but didn't really understand the significance of bringing up the first war that Ahsoka fought in with Anakin and then the battle with the Mandalorians. I'm glad they didn't take away from uh, that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the episode. But what is bothering me is that we only have three episodes left, and I don't think they have enough time for a backstory on Balin Skull and Shin Hati and Thrawn. What do you guys think in terms of what they will be able to do with only three episodes remaining? Stay fantastic. So, Pete, what do you say to Jack and NYC? I think we might learn they're somehow intertwined. I, I don't truly know. And then, you know, the sad aspect is whatever we're going to get is going to be all that's left of Ray Stevenson. So hopefully that's resolved. Um, I'd find myself in the camp of not wanting him to be recast. I think he's been that good. Um I don't truly know, though, how important the character might be going forward. Perhaps there's a way to mystically, you know, write him out, write him off instead of the old, uh, you know, and Cara Dune uh, is off doing a mission. Last email, Pete, comes from Josefina Avalos, who says, This episode with the live action Clone Wars will live rent free in my head. I remember that episode when Snips's arrogance and willingness to disobey orders got many, if not all, of her soldiers killed. Anyone would have taken that rough. Love seeing Anakin kick ass next to Snips. OMG, he called her Snips. I liked how Anakin was like, I've got more to teach you, but then Ahsoka coming in with a sucker kick to his face. They don't teach that in Jedi school. A headbutt to the nose would have been better, in my opinion. I do think she's in a state of purgatory right now. I think she's sensitive to the world between worlds because she was resurrected with the daughter's soul. Maybe Anakin did become the father to balance the force. And since Ahsoka is like his daughter, she will eventually replace the daughter's position. I mean, his first words to her was, I didn't expect to see you so soon. Let's just speculate for a second. Anakin's the new father. Ahsoka's the new daughter. And the Emperor's the new son. Man, I went off topic. Did you guys see Ahsoka's eyes glow yellow? Maybe it was the red lightsaber. I don't know. She had the evil spirit in her once from the time she was a yellow-eyed zombie. It was good for her to finally tell her master what's been on her mind, sort of get some closure. Oh, I really like this episode. I know I wasn't the only one who wanted to cry when Snips was talking to Rex and a few clones ran up with their helmets painted orange. Anakin was like, I don't remember this battle. Yeah, fools, because you were too busy slaughtering younglings, breaking Padme's heart, becoming burnt toasts to come to the dark side. How about that? Ugh, I've said too much. I'll leave you with... You lack conviction. Semperify that from Josephina. Thank you, Josephina. I don't think that uh, Rosario Dawson's eyes there, that she had the Sith eyes and she wore the contacts. I think it was just the reflection. I would agree, although I'll return to one of my earliest points from this podcast. Could it be in a middle ground, possibly? I think that's a fun, even if it's not going anywhere, I think that could be, you know, emotionally in the moment she's dealing with with such themes so sometimes the art bounces that way and uh pete our 
modest podcast art made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek making sure that we don't need to go to the world between worlds to shake out a couple of coins from the ghosts floating around there everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content all sorts of levels to choose from but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that world between worlds uh can't contribute this month like our listener before get over to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating a review uh all of which helps us immeasurably pete let's keep the star wars conversation going how can people be in touch with you on twitter and elsewhere you can find me on twitter and threads at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-l-a-r k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,663 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me touch the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H like it today. Looking forward to talking Star Trek Lower Decks tomorrow on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and on the Lower Decks Podcast feed. Back next Star Wars Saturday for the next exciting episode of Ahsoka. With that, Pete, I'll say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. We'll just see where it goes. Mm-hmm.